0: Positive discipline is really about being in connection and staying focused on the life skills that we want our kids to learn to embody. And the way that we do that is by teaching life skills, modeling life skills and practicing life skills. So discipline isn't punishment and consequences. Discipline is teaching and modeling and practicing and holding structure that supports kids in that development because those life skills that we want right when we think about you know the people that are our favorite people to work with or live next door to or be led by what are the qualities that make those people great neighbors or great coworkers or great leaders that's really what we want most for our kids and those skills develop over time through experience and with lots and lots of mistakes
1: Parents, Michelle Abraham, your host of the Blissful Parenting Podcast. I am here today with Casey O'Rourke. So, hey, Casey, how are you doing? I'm good. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. No problem. So let me guys tell you guys a little bit more about Casey. Casey is from the business of Joyful Courage. Shared the website, is joyfulcourage.com. And let me share a little bit more about Casey. She has some teenagers herself, a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old, and she's a facilitator for personal growth and development. Her work really encourages parents to discover the purpose of their journey while providing them the tools and the shift of a mindset that allows them to deepen the relationship with themselves and their families. And I would imagine also navigating those tricky waters as kids get older and become their own their own, I was going to call them their own beast. But that's not nice. I was going to say their own, become their own person and really, you know, develop their, develop them themselves, which is really cool. So you're a positive discipline trainer and she's been doing that since 2007 and she's a certified coach as well. So she's led lots of groups and teaching parents how to be more positive in the discipline that they have with our kids. And she also has a podcast called Joyful Courage. And I love you also have a book called Joyful Courage, which is great. Calming the drama and taking control of your parenting journey. And that launched in 2019. So it's awesome. So you live in the Pacific Northwest. I also live in the Pacific Northwest. That's awesome. I am so glad you're here today, Casey. And we're excited to dive in a little bit more about... I think parents, as I'm a parent of school age kids, and I feel a little fearful for teen years. So we're talking today about having uh, loving boundaries with your teenager and tell us a little bit about like how we can get started and easing our nerves of like going into the parenting years as parents.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to share first. I had this idea that because I was trained to facilitate positive discipline, I began practicing. The mindset and the philosophy of positive discipline when my kids were really young, one and four, imperfectly practicing, everyone, okay, I had plenty of conditioning that I was up against as far as parenting style goes. So, you know, the pull to yell and and control and hang on when I was overwhelmed was really strong for me when they were young, and it continues to be something that I navigate, But yeah, I thought, you know, I had this great friend who's also a positive discipline trainer. And when her daughter was in the teen years and mine were still a little bit younger, I'd see her and I'd say, how are you? And like her eyes would fill up with tears and she'd be like, I'm I'm okay. You know, and I remember being like, oh God, teenagers. And then immediately thinking, you know, I bet that it's not going to be that hard for me. And then freshman year showed up and individuation, we had some mental health situations show up, a little bit of substance use, a lot of anger, a lot of pulling away. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening right now? Why is this happening? I've been doing everything right. And what I was just saying to Michelle before we hit record is, you know, regardless of our parenting style, what is going to happen for each and every teenager is that brain development piece and the individuation that comes along with it, which is really our kids navigating who they are in the world, who they want to be in the world and responding to the stressors and pressures that come along with moving out of elementary and into middle and into high school and eventually into life beyond. And so You know, two things that come up for me when I think about preparing Mm -hmm. for adolescence is one, really, really, really honing in on the relationship that you have with your kids and really developing routine around connection and family time and protecting protecting that, like really taking a stand for in our family. You know, we have one night a weekend that is dedicated to family night in our family. The parents make sure that each child gets that, you know, special one-on-one time, you know, once a week or once a month or once a day, depending on how old your kids are. I think we really get that drilled into us when our kids are really little, right. Mm -hmm. In the early years, it's like, Oh, make sure you've got that one-on-one time every day, that special time. And because our adolescents often are pushing us away, which is very developmentally appropriate, we kind of roll over and decide like, okay, well, they don't want to spend time with me. So I guess this isn't a thing anymore. And I'm here to say like, no, it is. It's a thing. Keep looking for ways. And I think the hard thing about adolescents is often one of the doorways into that connection is through their interests. And for anyone out there who's listening, who has a teenager, you might be thinking like, oh, great. I am not that excited about their interests. And yet that's the opening. That's the doorway in. So relationship matters and doing our own work around self-regulation. So when you said, you know, I'm a a positive discipline trainer, which Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people assume that that means like, oh, being nice while holding boundaries. And it's so much bigger and deeper than that. Positive discipline is really about being in connection and staying focused on the life skills that we want our kids to Mm -hmm. learn to embody. And the way that we do that is by teaching life skills, modeling life skills and practicing life skills. So Discipline isn't punishment and consequences. Discipline is teaching and modeling and practicing and holding structure that supports kids in that development because those life skills that we want, right? When we think about, you know, the people that are our favorite people to work with or live next door to, or be led Mm -hmm. by, what are the qualities that make those people great neighbors or great coworkers or great leaders that's really what we want most for our kids and those skills develop over time through experience and with lots and lots of mistakes so yeah so positive discipline is really about that it's about being connected while also holding structure it's about encouraging our kids and recognizing their strengths and it's about like keeping our stuff together so that we can be with them when they are making mistakes and falling apart because that's just a part of the train it's messy and how do we be with the mess without rolling around in it with them <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> oh gosh yeah I can see I can see I took a positive discipline course a few years ago and I can see how the teaching in that really has been helpful in like kind of uh Holding space for, you know, and not us putting our agenda on the kids either, like, and or it, it not being about us, their behavior. <laughs> yeah, and that was some things that I learned you know, going through the younger years with my kids, just like, yeah, they're not making me mad. Like, it's like, I can control my anchor, but it's something more than that, right? What would yeah. you say are some of the most important skills us as parents can really learn right now to,
0: the, to better equip us for moving forward? Yeah. So self-regulation is important for everyone. We talk a lot about teaching our kids self-regulation, but really we assume that because we're adults, we are great at self-regulation and it's just Mm. not true. And depending on your background and the level of trauma, maybe that you experienced growing up relationships that you've been through, like we all have various degrees of um, skill when Mm. it comes to staying regulated, when our kids are having a hard time and falling apart. And so really, I mean, if that is the only thing that you focus in on In the zero to 12 years is your own self-regulation. That is number one, Mm -hmm. because you cannot be effective and helpful to a child who's having a hard time. If you are also having a hard time. So self-regulation is really, really important. And some practices that I think parents can do is having is starting to pay attention one to their inner dialogue. What are the stories that you're telling yourself when your kids are falling apart? Some of us are telling stories about our kids, like, oh, my God, this kid, he can't get it together, blah, blah, blah. Some of us are telling stories about ourselves, like, oh, my gosh, I suck at this. I'm a terrible parent. I can't get it together, right? So starting to become aware of when that inner dialogue is showing up Mm -hmm. and interrupting it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And turning it around and having a different mantra, something that's a one liner that's really going to help. Like, could be my child is doing the best they can in this moment, or I'm doing the best that I can in this moment. The other thing, which I think is an even easier entry point, is noticing our bodies, noticing the sensations that show up in our bodies when we become triggered and dysregulated. For me, It's tension, it's it's heat, it's a tingling, it's a clenching, it's my shoulders coming up and my jaw Mm -hmm. getting tight. I know if that's happening in my body, what is to come is not going to be pretty, is not going to be a parenting moment that I'm going to be broadcasting on social media. So and sometimes it's easier to feel my feet on the floor and lengthen my exhales to trigger my nervous system to calm down. Sometimes it's easier to calm down my body than it is to interrupt the inner dialogue. So that's another place where we can enter and start to pay attention and change things so that we can be with the child that's in front of us. And then also inside of both of those things require us to have a practice of self-awareness. So much of our day, everybody's day, even the Dalai Lama, so much of the day is spent in automatic pilot and just in reaction to the things that show up. So having a dedicated time, even if it's just five minutes a day, where you're really practicing being in your body, noticing what's happening, noticing the dialogue, noticing the physical sensation. You know, some people call this mindfulness. I think that. There are parents that feel like mindfulness is too hard, but they have a misunderstanding of, of what it is. Really, it's about paying attention. In my experience, in my opinion, mindfulness is learning to pay attention to what's happening while it's happening, because then we can get a little bit of space from it and we can, and we have a choice. Like, am I going to continue to let this, like for me, it's like up and out, like up my body and out my mouth. Am I going to let that be the experience that my family has of me, or am I going to notice Oof, I am getting kind of hot and how do I want to show up right now? What do I want to create in this moment? Do I want to create connection or disconnection? And really being in that practice of self-awareness and self-regulation is huge because as kids move into adolescence and move into individuation, it is absolutely typical and normal for them to pull away, to feel their feelings at a very extreme, you know, like the good, Mm. the bad, the ugly it's all, but it's really big and it's really quick. Plus they are wired to push against status quo and guess who status quo is you Mm. parent. (laughs) Right. So that is not character flaw. That's not them doing something wrong. That's who they're wired to be. So the more we can like, oof, you know, not take it personally when they're mm-hmm. like, "I don't agree with you, and I think you're full of it." You know, okay, or you don't get it. You're, I hate you, right? And this, you know, we're talking. You know, sometimes we see this in the in the in school. I've age. seen
1: it already at eight. eight and nine. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and really, and that's the other thing too: is really recognizing that misbehave. Like what we see as misbehavior, that misbehavior, we want to stop. Mm-hmm is really what it is, is an indicator of really deep discouragement. They're just deeply discouraged. And so one, keep yourself together, keep Mm -hmm. yourself regulated Two, support them in becoming more regulated, which we do when we keep our mouths closed Mm -hmm. and listen and validate Mm -hmm. that they're having a hard time and support them. In kind of coming to a a bigger receptivity window in the brain. Mm -hmm. And then from that place, like, what do you need right now? What can help you right now? As our kids get older, I think it's really important to also ask permission, like, Hey, I I have some ideas. Do you want to hear them? Or do you want me to just listen? Or do you want me to leave? So it becomes really important because autonomy, just like our two-year-olds are dying for autonomy our adolescents are, it's like the second wave of autonomy seeking. And, you know, there's so much that the adults are telling them you have to, this is the way it has to look. This is where you have to show up. This is what you have to achieve. And it's just like pushing up against this deep, deep desire for autonomy and paving their own way. That makes so much sense. Yeah.
1: So you said a few things there that I just want to unpack a little bit here. So when our kids set to help them self regulate younger at a younger age, what were some of the tools and some of the suggestions you said there? So, asking them, like, what do they need at the moment, keeping our mouth shut, kind of helping them support them. Any other ideas around, like, you know, Addie, as they're going into those tweens and teens age, like, you know, if they're still struggling with managing their own emotions, yeah, um, what, yeah, some other
0: ideas around that. Well, and I want to say if your kids are moving into adolescence and they struggle with emotional regulation, you have a totally normal kid. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, there's various degrees temperamentally. There are kids that are more easygoing and there are kids that are more intense, but all the kids are learning self-regulation. Like it's, Mm -hmm. nobody is born. Like I got this super mindful. It reminds me of a picture of my son sitting on a log like this. He was like yeah.
1: meditating on a, sitting on a log cross-legged. I think it was four or five. And it was, I remember the day it was like after some tough, like emotional stuff, yeah. he was sitting there self reg Yeah. I didn't tell him to do it. I didn't teach him anything. He was just sitting there doing this on a log and I have a picture of it. And it came up in, I have actually put it posted on Facebook yesterday because it was just reminding me of. It was Sunday yesterday, yeah, and International Sunday. And so he had a good laugh at that picture to us. Like, maybe we should try some more of that these days.
0: Yeah. Well, is that something that you practice? Do you practice meditation? Does he see you? I do. do
1: I do. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily see me doing it all the time. But I think he, he's kind of picked it up himself. So, yeah. Yeah. I think he did some at school too. Yeah.
0: Yay. Schools that are mm-hmm. focused on mindfulness. But I think that that really, I do think that that speaks to the importance of modeling and normalizing. Mm -hmm. Like when I think about kids that are in the struggle, you know, kids who are learning self-regulation, bringing the language to the dinner table, right. Mm -hmm. And to the conversations that you're having, talking about your own experiences where, gosh, you know, I was at the grocery store and I was headed for the line to check out. I had been there a long time. And this guy just totally cut me I mean, it was obvious where I was going, and this guy just cut me off. And man, I felt so angry. And so, in line, I decided I'm going to feel my feet on the floor. I'm going to take some deep breaths. And I really had to calm my body down so that I didn't do or say something to this guy that would have escalated the situation, right? Like, that's an example Mm -hmm. of just a really authentic and real, and not like I'm going to give you a life lesson right now, but just to normalize the fact that we are all in the practice of self-regulation, all of us, none of us have mastered this. And so that's one thing is just to really normalize the conversation around feeling emotions, checking your own language. Like, do you have a broad language around emotions? And can you say things like, Oh, I was feeling really Of course, now all I can think of is sad, glad, mad, scared, frustrated, angry, (laughs) angry, put Mm -hmm. out, put upon, cheated, you know, like using really using a lot of different language around emotion. And also asking, like, I'm wondering, does this anger feel more like you're embarrassed and you're angry or does it feel like you're so sad that you're angry? So helping them identify the experience Mm -hmm. that they're having and the emotion that they're having and to be able to like, you know, distinguish between the different types of emotion that they can have that can dysregulate us. Also, I think it's really important to be having conversations about emotions and emotional regulation outside of the meltdown, right? Like feeling the meltdown is not the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that, and I'm also guilty of like, tell me what's going on. And they're like, "Ah!" you know, so (laughs) everyone, including myself, that is not the time. And, but I think something that's really important too, is just recognizing our kids who are really struggling with self-regulation. This is not a character flaw. This is not Mm -hmm. misbehavior. Okay. Like I really want everyone to hear that because I think sometimes, and I remember it well, you know, my, when my son was school age, he had a really hard time not winning at board games. And we had a whole period of time where it was like, I guess we as a family cannot play board games because Ian like freaks out to the point where the entire board, all the pieces are flying. And it was really challenging not to get mad at him. Like Mm -hmm. you've wrecked it for all of us. You suck. Like, this is not Mm -hmm. cool. You know, you're doing something wrong or bad. That is what we call focusing on the tip of the iceberg. And the tip of the iceberg is the fact that he's Mad and he's destructing, you know, destructive around the game. He's might be throwing out some name calling. I can focus in on that and get really intimidating and mean, and you need to stop this, or which might stop it short term, like send him right. to his room. or outside of the moment, I can say to him, Hey, tell me what happens when we're playing a game and you start to realize that you might not be the winner. Like, what does that feel like to you? Mm. What are you thinking? What does your body feel like? Okay. So, you know, and then having conversations around four people playing a game, everybody has an equal chance to be the winner. He's not going to be the winner all the time. So, what are you going to do next time when you start to feel that intensity in your body, right? Mm -hmm. That's under the surface. Mm -hmm. That's going under the surface of the iceberg. And that's going to have long term effects Mm -hmm. on his behavior versus just if you do that again, you have to go to your room. We assume that he has the skills to navigate the emotional overload and Mm -hmm. all we need to do is threaten going to his room when in fact he does not have the skills or they're just, they just haven't been practiced enough. He hasn't built those muscles Mm -hmm. to the extent of being able to really pull them out when he needs it. Good. Yeah.
1: Now a uh, question for you, like around other adults in the house that maybe have not masterfully navigated their own emotions, how do we support our children when other adults are in or stepping in to engage when they have not managed their emotions
0: well? Yeah. Well, send them this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> listen to this, please. <laughs> listen to this people. You know, I think that that when we're co-parenting, I think that it's really important that we have these conversations with our partners, just like, Hey, I'm trying this. This is what, and, and I think a lot of it is modeling too. So mm-hmm. if, if I am the parent who's like, you know what, I'm going to really focus on keeping it together meeting my kid where he's at, or she's at going under the surface. I'm going to focus on that. Then great model it, model it. And when it works out, well, share it. Oh, babe, guess what today? Oh my gosh. There was the biggest meltdown that happened and here's how I navigated it. And it felt so good. And I'm so proud of myself Mm. done celebration. Great done. And then as you continue to practice and maybe you see some areas where your partner could, there's some room for improvement, Mm -hmm. you know, coming at it as like, Hey, I noticed that it was really intense earlier for you and little Sally. And how did that feel for you? And I'm curious about that. Tell me about that. And, you know, I've been practicing all these things. Do you want, you know, I'm wondering if you want to hear what I think. Right. So asking permission, it will never be useful if you're like, uh, you're really screwing our kids up. Get it together. (laughs) So coming at it as like, hey, let's make this easier on ourselves and let's support each other. But I also think the other thing is, you know, asking too, because we're just because we're the ones that are like, I'm gonna do this better doesn't mean that we're always doing it better, right? Yeah, we're imperfect. imperfect. (laughs) So you can even approach a conversation with your partner, like, hey, babe, I know that sometimes I really lose it with the kids and you want to help me. And I was thinking I could give you a signal so that you know when I want help and when I don't. And then what would work for you too? Because sometimes I see that there's some struggle on your side. What do you want it to look like when I walk into the room and you're in a confrontation with our kid? What's going to work for you? So it's the same tools that we're using with our kids because they're they're human relationship tools really more than anything else. But it's really kind of drawing forth from our partners, like, what do they want to create with with our kids? What do they need as far as support from us, right? And how do they want it delivered?
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes (laughs) a lot of sense. So see you're the parent that's working with the kid and supporting, trying to support them and trying to do the things that you're learning or you've learned to do. And another adult is counteracting what you're trying to do in the moment. <laughs> in the moment. It's very, I, I found in my own household that it's very hard not to stop the other person from interfering. So what's a better strategy for in that moment? Obviously the outside conversations of that moment is
0: better, but in that moment, is there anything that you can do? Well, I think you stop the interaction. You say, Hey, I'm good. We're working it out here. Got it. Sometimes if it's like a family member, that's not your partner, but like if you're a grandma and grandpa
1: or something, uh, yeah,
0: it can get also the
1: generational and to the generational understanding of behavior Uh and like consequences right now is very frustrating Mm -hmm. (laughs) because what used to be acceptable spanking and sending to the room and yelling. Yeah. Still in their minds. Some of them, that's an acceptable thing in the way it should be. And it's very hard because it looks, I think for, I'm seeing from experience in my house, it's like, sometimes it looks to them as though we're not doing our job as a parent when we let the behavior ride out and have a conversation later
0: on. Yeah. Well, and one thing we can do, one thing that's a really like down and dirty thing to do is leave the room with your child.
1: Yeah. That's a great, like leave the room. You don't
0: need the audience. I don't want the audience. Like I'm already more tense around my family of origin, Mm -hmm. just being around them or in an airport. Both of those things are really Mm -hmm. challenging for me. I'm also a nightmare in an airport. But yeah, leave the room, leave the room, and you know, and prep. Like prep your child. Like, hey, we're going to go to grandma and grandpa's. You know, if things get tough and we need to have a conversation or you start feeling some feels, like we're just going to go into the other room so that I can be with you and we don't have to deal with grandma and grandpa. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not just when our kids are little and they don't understand why we're not spanking them or sending them to timeout. My experience, my daughter as a teenager, she ended up dropping out of high school and I come from a family that deeply values higher education. Mm -hmm. And I value, I mean, I have multiple degrees. I value higher education and what I was the feedback I was getting from my daughter was, Hey, this is self-preservation. I'm in survival mode. This is not a safe space for me. And so I really had to let it go. And Mm -hmm. by letting it go, I mean, allow for the space that she needed to heal Mm -hmm. and to grow and to get the help that she needed. And during that period of time, I wouldn't talk to my parents. I just wouldn't talk to them. We texted a little bit here and there, but I had to protect myself Because I knew that in their mind, it's like, why are you allowing her to do this? Why are you allowing this? So it's not about spanking, but it's still about like, you have control tools that you could put into practice to prevent this. Yeah. And And not worry about the judgment that's coming from the way you're doing it, right? Yeah. And now we're two years later, she got her GED and next week is graduating from an esthetician program, a trade school program. So she'll have an esthetician license, like, and it's easy, right. To be looking back versus Mm -hmm. being in it. But like I said, like what I didn't know in that moment was she was so aware of what she needed Mm -hmm. in that moment. And I got to let go, which was very hard. My husband actually was better at it than I was <laughs> in the beginning. But once I kind of surrendered to, okay, we're, we're going alternative here. I don't know what this is going to look like. I can't predict the narrative. Once I was released into that, mm-hmm. everything started to slowly come together. And she's now, you know, curious about college and wants to take some college classes and it's on her terms. It's not just because this is what you do. So yeah, I get the outside influence. It's Mm -hmm. real and it's hard. And sometimes you just got to be like, okay. Yeah. And I think some of our listeners could be
1: experiencing that from generational It could be religious could be like anything that's like, you know, we're experiencing a lot of that in the world right now. That's things that are outside of the norm. And you just have to, I like what you said, you, you were doing things on her, she was doing things on her terms, So you were allowing her the space to navigate her journey, which I think that's an important thing that sometimes as parents, I know I, I sometimes forget that they're, and what was the saying that they, our children have come not from us, but through us to do their, to to be on their own journey. And, yeah. you know, we
0: have to remove our agendas for their journey. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we don't even realize that we have an agenda. Like I thought I was the yeah. most easygoing, like I'm not attached. What? Like I'm cool. And then confronted by, okay, well, I'm going to take this complete left turn. I was like, oh yeah. shoot. I do have a narrative that I'm <laughs> hanging on to, and this is not it. What is <laughs> happening? So Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's so
1: important. And I think at the end of the day, like we were saying at the beginning of this episode, is like creating those loving boundaries, whether with our children, our spouses, or with the other parts of our family. Yeah. While we're trying to navigate this parenting journey is important. Any other tips for creating loving boundaries with our kids?
0: Well, when I think about boundaries, I think about um, like guardrails, Mm -hmm. right? And in positive discipline, we talk about mutual respect being, Mm -hmm. I'm going to respect the person in front of me and I'm going to respect myself and the situation, which is a reframe from while mutual respect is you respect me, I respect you. And what I love about it is it's not dependent on how the other person is treating me. I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. I'm also going to treat myself With dignity and respect, which sometimes, especially as they get into adolescent, sometimes that means I'm going to stop a conversation. I'm going to walk away and take Mm -hmm. care of myself because I'm not Mm going to stand here and be verbally assaulted by my six foot three teenager, right? (laughs) Sometimes it's respecting the situation, which means, Hey, you know, of course now I'm like, what kind of situation would be good for this? So if you're out in the world, because I think people think about positive discipline and it's, and because so many of us are coming from like dictator authoritarian styles, yeah. <laughs> we err on the side of too permissive because we don't know what firmness feels like if it's connected firmness. And so we end up like giving in and saying yes, until we're so over it that we kind of lose our, lose it. So we swing, but mutual respect is really about like, yeah, I'm going to treat you with respect and I'm going to honor and treat myself in the situation with respect. So Yeah. So loving boundaries really being like creating routines. And we were good at this when they're little, like, oh yeah, of course, bedtime routine, morning routine. And we forget the power of routine as they get older. Also co-creating agreement. You know, there's the non-negotiables, like you can't stay out all night. That's not a thing. And let's talk about curfew. Let's talk about what makes sense based on what you're going to do, who you're going to be with, what day of the week it is, right? Let's co-create. And then the follow-through, something I think that many of us kind of lean on when we're desperate is the whole taking away of privileges.
1: Yeah. It's really easy to go there.
0: It is. It's super easy to go there. It's Especially like, it's, it's like an a or something. Yes, yes. Yes. It doesn't work though. <laughs> but here's the thing about privilege. Privilege comes with responsibility. And it is a privilege to use the iPad. It's a privilege Mm -hmm. to have a phone. It's a privilege to get to drive a car. And the response, and I think we're parents, sometimes what we forget to do is to be really explicit about, and here's the responsibilities that come with this thing. Right. One is there will be limits on the iPad, on the phone, we will have limits put you in place. Charge
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> you're responsible for
0: it. Right. Right. And so this is, you know, response. If your kids are teens and they're driving, like part of responsibility is you meet the curfew that we can create together. Right. And you keep the gas in the car and you're not getting any tickets. And when those things happen, which they will, because they're children and they make mistakes, which. Mm-hmm. Is going to happen. Then we get to talk about, like, especially with technology. I think the mistakes that they make with technology really show us what they're ready for. Are they ready to have full access to the World Wide Web? If they're looking at porn or bullying people on social media, they don't have the tools that they need to navigate the World Wide Web safely. So you get to pull things in a little bit. And sometimes mm-hmm. it might sound like, you know what? We're going to put this away for a while. And we're going to really explore like what it looks like to have an agreement around using the phone. And it might sound like, you know what? I'm really sorry. I handed this over to you and I forgot that it would be important for us to be really clear mm-hmm. on what was okay and what's not okay. So we're going to take a break for a while. That's a lot different than... <gasps> You're looking at porn, give me that phone. Brr, you know, now you're and brr, 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 right? You're kind of missing right. the point with that kind of response. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: No, oh, that's very helpful. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, so many good things. We can keep talking forever. <laughs> I think you've given our parents so much great advice, support, tools to use while we're navigating loving boundaries with our school-age kids, tweens, teens, as we navigate through parenting. And I think the most important thing to remember, and this comes up in a lot of our conversations, self-love, self-care equals self-regulation, equals happy mom, happy dad, much happier household uh, in the long run. So, you know, it's just that bringing up that reminder again, like it all starts with us and and the difference that we can make and the respect that we can give ourselves. Like you mentioned it several times, our self-respect, is going to yeah. go so far here when we're able to then regulate ourselves first and then support our kids. So yeah. thank you, Casey, for all that you do and your joyful courage mission. I love, you. uh, you know, you're really providing the tools and the support the parents need out there right now to make a more blissful parenting experience for them. And like you call it joyful parenting experience. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I love that we're on the same, we're on the same, same boat here. So thank you so much for joining us today. Any last words for our parents before we let you go? And also where else can we find more information about how to work with
0: you? Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me on your platform. As everyone can see, I, I could talk for another three hours about all of this. I get really fired up. If you want to know more about me and my work, you can go to my website, which is joyfulcourage.com. I do live classes online. I also have a membership for moms of adolescents. So if you're watching this and you're a mom and your kids are between, you know, 11, 11 and older, and you are looking for community and support, my membership doors are actually open. So check that out. You can find it on my website and I have online. I have a on Facebook, actually a Facebook group called Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens. I'm always so proud of the way that conversations flow in there because it just is always really respectful and honest and real, and people feel very safe in that group. And so there's some pretty deep sharing that happens. Um, again, that's joyful courage for parents of teens on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, joyful underscore courage, but yeah, those are all the places. Awesome. Thank you so much. Any last words for our parents? Yes, I do have last words. The messiness of right now with your kids is not an indication that you're a bad parent. Okay. The messiness of right now with your kids is not an indication that you're doing anything wrong. A few tweaks and some self-care and you can definitely influence uh, what you're currently experiencing, so. Awesome,
1: thank you. And I think it takes us to be the leaders in our families too.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, you're doing those things that you mentioned and then we can then, be the role model and be for everyone else. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Casey. So great having you. Blissful parents out there. Tune in again next week. We are so happy you're joining us and we can't wait to hear all about how you've implemented what Casey talked about today into your own home. So let us know. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.